Hey, welcome to the April and May Book Review Digest for Postcards from a Dying World. If reading takes too long to consume my book reviews every month, I gather up my book reviews and I do a digest here of what I read over the month. Now, you may have noticed there was no digest in April, and that's because I was on a tight deadline for a screenplay I'm working on. But the first draft is done, so... Um, back at it. So this is going to be two months, and so it'll be a little more condensed than usual. But if you want the full reviews, just go to my blog or find me and follow me on Goodreads, which you should do anyways if you're a book nerd. So up first was Our War by Craig DeLui. Now, I did do an interview with Craig, so you can uh, find that on this podcast feed. Um, But one of my favorite genres of novel is the warning novel like 1984 or last babylon which are taught in schools because of what they say about authoritarianism and nuclear war not every novel um has to be a dire warning to be taught in school but i personally love when science fiction does this speculative fiction as a genre has many tricks up its sleeve but the ability to look at an oncoming disaster and dramatize it are the best reason to write sci-fi we can debate um that um that it's subjective and you know what you're warning and what is objective truth but warning novels are important so like sinclair sinclair lewis writing it can happen here you know well time 90 years ago um our war by craig delui was put in an put the author in an uncomfortable place because it was a warning novel that appeared to be coming true on january 6th 2021 when right-wing seditionists tried to take tried to start this very conflict now craig warned about this and i told you so it's from an author safely north of the border might not seem like the most natural book promotion but if the target audience is me sold in hindsight our war might seem problematic but honestly how many of us really thought that we would see supporters of a sitting president under his direction storm the capitol and try to stop the transfer of power Anyways, this puts um, Craig DeLuey with Omar El Akkad, who wrote uh, disturbing American Civil War novels. And like I said, both of them have been interviewed here on the podcast. Also interviewed on the podcast is Seb Dubinsky, who is the author of Fragments of a Revolution. Fragments of a Revolution is a short but thought-provoking slice of fiction composed in a narrative and structure style that, um, you know, in most books would challenge me. But that's not the case here with this experimental prose. In the hands of the right author, like a Kathy Acker-type author, um, this can be a really cool, surreal literary journey. Radical fiction requires a delicate balance, and the choir loves preaching. And as a member of the choir, I enjoy protest fiction. I like it subtle and soaked in allegory, but it's always fun to read something that's clear and direct about activism. So that's um, Fragments of a Revolution by Seb Dubinsky. So the next book I read was My Heart is a Chainsaw by Stephen Graham Jones. Now, fresh off his double Bram Stoker um, wins on uh, The Only Good Indian and Night of the Mannequins, uh, I I was super excited and very thankful that Stephen sent me an early copy of My Heart is a Chainsaw. Now, your mileage may vary, and it should vary, 
because this is totally on me, and I had a really unrealistically high bar after The Only Good Indian is one, one of the best horror novels I've read in ages. But My Heart is a Chainsaw is an absolutely genius piece of work. The concept of a novel doing meta-exploration of Scream, which was doing meta-exploration meta of the genre already, um, is you know a really interesting thing. And for Stephen Graham Jones' skills... If it were not for Stephen Graham Jones' skills and the witty moments and the next-level prose, I probably wouldn't have liked this. But I can't read Stephen Graham, Stephen Graham Jones' work fast enough because there are moments, just awesome moments, of both subtle and profound details. If you zoom through it, you'll miss some of it. So give Stephen Graham Jones the attention. Now, here's the thing. I'm not a big slasher fan, and this book is a loving tribute to slashers. So if it seems like I'm negative on it, it's just because the subject matter wasn't my favorite. That being said, the book is amazing. I really did enjoy it. I do think it's a five-star book, even though slashers are not my favorite topic. And, of course, Stephen Graham Jones was on the podcast. So we're going to have four books in a row by people that uh, I have interviewed at one time or another. Um, next up is Good Neighbors by Sarah Langan, who uh, was the last guest on the podcast. Good Neighbors um, is a book that has a giant sinkhole that's horrifically described as well as any monster novel. But this uh, modern horror um, novel addresses mob mentality, takes on TikTok bullies who make TikTok videos, neighbors who pay way too much attention um, uh, to their stay to staycation photos on Instagram, and what their neighbors are doing. This is the ultimate modern suburban horror novel. Um, it's like a modern retelling of the monsters are due on Maple Street. So do yourself a favor and read Good Neighbors. This book does for the burbs what American Psycho did for Wall Street assholes, and I'm here for it, um, for all its suburban satire. Now, uh, one person who was not a guest on my podcast was the author of The Reality Bubble, by, um, Zia Tong. Uh, I did contact her people, and they asked me how much I was willing to pay, uh, so that didn't go any far further. But anyways, the reality bubble, uh, the subtitle is Blind Spots, Hidden Truths, and the Dangerous Illusions that Shape Our World. The early chapters of this book look at the science that makes up our lives that most people don't even think about. It's an important lesson and one I was here for. I like being reminded how small we are compared to the expanding cosmos and how few are compared to the vast micro-universe. Had the book been this kind of neat science meets humanity stuff, I would have been very happy reader indeed. I was looking forward to that book, but the reality bubble is only one-third that book. And don't get me wrong, the rest of the book is actually really important. The reality is most people don't expend, extend their awareness more than a few feet around themselves. Some people lack awareness about what happens in their neighborhoods, let alone the national news. Now ask people what happens to their trash or where their water comes from. And you'll get blank stares all day. So the rest of the book is about that stuff. It's a wake-up call for people to look at the blind spots of how their actions are literally killing the planet. So The Reality Bubble is a really important book. And it was a bummer that I wasn't able to get Zia Tong on the podcast. But she's a very famous person in Canada. So, um, yeah. And apparently um, her people thought I should pay her to be on the podcast. Anyways, speaking of very famous people... 
The next book I read was later by Stephen King. I don't normally enjoy first person in novels, but if a story is good enough, I'll forget about it. I constantly nitpick moments when authors cheat first person, but I always point to Stephen King's Dolores Claiborne of an example of a narrator that never cheats. Later is a great first person novel written in a kid's voice and it never cheats. Stephen King has a skill for writing children and speaking in their voices. In this novel, he's doing subtle and genius things with, with those moments from a young person's POV. Jamie, the main character, is telling the story as a young man, and Stephen King is in perfect command of this. In my opinion, this is the best Stephen King novel since Dr. Sleep, or maybe 11-22-63. It might be one of his best of the century. The quality is up there with his full dark novellas like Good Marriage or 1922, and it may sound like hyperbole, but I'm really happy to report this. I don't want to spoil the twist, but the first one is gnarly and scary, and the second one is just gross and disturbing. I don't entirely know how I feel about it, except uh, King got me again with the feels. Now, I read some graphic novels, including one by the last author's son, Joe Hill, and that is Dying is Easy. And this should have been a hard case crime novella, too. It's funny at times. But it's mostly a grim and entertaining murder mystery about an ex-cop turned comedian who's not very funny. Uh, but I did really enjoy Dying is Easy. Next up, I read, and this is when I was starting on the screenplay, so I was reading a lot of graphic novels because I didn't have a lot of mental bandwidth at that time. And I read John Constantine, Hellblazer, Marks of Woe. This is the third Hellblazer reboot. <laughs> And is part of a new interwoven Sandman miniverse, mini universe, I guess. This is being written by writer Simon Spurrier. And Hellblazer is one of my all time favorite comic book characters. Uh, I'm not very familiar with the wider Gaiman Sandman universe, so I'm kind of ignorant of that. But this felt like classic Hellblazer to me, and it didn't really feel like a reworking, so. That's that's A plus for me, and um, but it did play with the idea of Constantine multiverses, which is something that um, Sensei John Shirley uh, did in his novelization of the Constantine movie, which um, is really good and underrated novelization. You should check out. Anyways, Hella by David Gerald was next. Hella as a title is funny because of the context of this very well thought out colony world. It makes hella sense. This is the story of a human colony that is what Texas likes to think it is a place where everything is bigger trees a mile tall, uh, roaming dinosaurs everywhere, huge animals, mountains, and a gravity unlike ours a year longer than one on earth with seasons that last a greater amount of time. Gerald, Gerald uses lots of subtle and smart world building to make it feel real, and it comes with an appendix that gives a hint of how much deeper Gerald has put thought into this, even beyond what we see on the page. One of the major themes of the novel is laid out on page 209 when two characters talk about watching old, modern to us, science fiction movies. At the end of this, Jamie says to the other character, there are no Earth-like planets, only lazy writers. This exchange is David Gerald speaking to the audience on the nose, telling the reader the mission statement of the novel. Hella is great science fiction. The only problems I had with it were minor and mostly involved little things that show the gap between generations and genre, where um, uh, some, some progressive yet not so progressive views uh, kind of emerged, um, including 
uh, some stuff with uh, gender identity issues. So um, next was After the Rain by uh, Nettie Okorafor and John Jennings. This was like an African theme, um, just a really cool ghost story with tons of African vibes and amazing art. Beyond the cool art and the ghost story are deep themes of redemption, guilt, and cultural identity. It's heavy stuff, but it's all woven into the story. Big thumbs up. I was already a fan of Nettie Akurafor for the Binti Trilogy, which is one I really enjoy. She's become an author for me that I always check out whenever available. Binti is just really great African futurist space opera. And John Jennings um, has been a guest on this podcast when he, we came on to talk about his um, adaptation of Octavia Butler's classic Parable of the Sower. So next is um, The Great Derangement, uh, Climate Change and the Unthinkable by uh, Amitiv Gosh, or Ghosh. I'm sorry um, if I mispronounced that. Um, He's an Indian literary writer. And there's no doubt that uh, what we're doing to the climate and the thin biosphere we depend on is insane. We can call it short-sighted. Uh, if we're being kind. It's unthinkable and insane, but it's also crazy to me that this is the point that needs making. The idea that we could endlessly pollute, exploit, and destroy our environment with a cannibalistic system of capitalism without limits is totally bonkers. So, there is an argument here in this book that I think is very, very, very important, and I was looking forward to reading this. The thing is, it could have been an essay. I value the point that he's making, but I think there's a lot of fluff here, and he could have made the same point in 20 pages with an article or an essay. And um, last up is Red Widow by Alma Katsu. This is a spy thriller by the former CIA analyst turned horror writer. Alma Katsu is, uh, has written a thriller built on betrayals and relationship, not gun battles or car chases. This is an insider look that helps to humanize the characters, which is the point that I was kind of so-so on, being a lefty who's kind of nervous about things that the CIA has done around the globe. Nonetheless, it's a solid and enjoyable thriller, nothing groundbreaking, but pretty fun. So, anyways, that's what I read in April and May. Uh, keep posted for new episodes of Postcards from a Dying World. I got new interviews in the works. And for episode 50, you're going to do a career retrospective of my work with um, Dread Media's uh, Desmond Reddick, who uh, is one of my really good friends who knows my work really well. So uh, thanks for listening, and we'll see you again soon.